Welcome to Adventure Freaks, a podcast on living abroad on a budget. All right, well, Carly Cummins, thank you so much for joining me today. We're in Bali, of all places. Bali, Indonesia, and, and Carly Cummins, she's originally from Australia, and she moved there approximately five years ago and started an online magazine called Bali Buddies, B-A-L-I-B-U-D-D-I-E-S.com. Is that correct? That is correct. And that, and that talks a lot about what you can do in and around Bali, like eat, drink, stay, where to play. It's a, it's a, a phenomenal resource. So check it out at BaliBuddies.com. So thank you again for joining us. My this, pleasure. This Not today's awesome. time for me. Not time for you. <laughs> Right, exactly. It's late here. It's like 930. Well, not late, but you know, and it's early in the morning for you. But um, so tell me, I mean, so how did you, Bali is one of the destinations I've never been to before. I'd love to go there because of all of the stunning pictures. Um, I love meditation. I've, I've done some yoga. Um, but I'd love to just go there and meditate for <laughs> long periods. It's just absolutely gorgeous there. How did you find, how did you discover Bali and how did you, how did you land in Bali? So for Australians, Bali is usually an Aussie's first overseas holiday. Uh, geographically, the Australians and the Balinese get along really well. And it's also, um, it's a, it's a cheap holiday for Aussies to come over to Bali. Like your money stretches a lot further than, than where it would in, a, in Australia. So I started traveling to Bali in my teenage years. And um, it, it's a place I kept returning to. And then my husband, when I met him, had also been traveling to Bali for years. And, um, and so we continued our trips through our we had our honeymoon here and when we had our kids we kept bringing them back and um yeah that was our it was it was the type of place where we always wanted to return to and it was not uncommon for us to come two or three times a year from australia to, oh, wow. to, to bali gotcha how long of a flight is it from australia it depends where you fly from uh say you're flying from darwin it's as short as two hours uh from queensland where we lived it was about five and a half six hours depending where we departed okay. from so that's a pretty good uh, lengthy flight. How, what is the cost? Is it, is it expensive? Is it fairly cheap? To no, well, back you know, uh, back when the flights were easily accessible, not like now. Um, really cheap. In fact, cheaper for us often to fly to Bali than it would be domestically within Australia. So we would quite often fly from Brisbane to uh, Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, to Bali for around. 400 Australian dollars return, which is about, uh, you know, say around 300, um, 300 American dollars return. Okay. So it's really reasonable. Yeah. Very reasonable. Yeah. Do you, do you get, do you get an opportunity to go home very often or? Pre COVID, I would go home probably three times a year. Uh, during COVID, I haven't been home now in nearly two years because uh, Australia's borders uh, are shut and so all of the airlines have stopped flying there for the moment and if we did go back there then we have to do a hotel quarantine for two weeks at three thousand dollars per person so oh, wow okay <laughs> the call to go back there when we've when we've been here is um it, yeah we'll yeah. just 
Wow. So, okay. So you've been there for approximately five years in Bali. It's one of the, the most, in my opinion, most beautiful places on planet earth. And so many people go out there for a lot of these um, wellness retreats, meditation, yoga. It's known for a lot of that beautiful cliffs, waterfalls, ocean that's crystal clear. Um, I mean, how do you describe it? And, and what are some of the highlights for you? I mean, what do you tell your friends when they ask you about this place that you live in? I mean, what is the, the things that you share with them? So for starters, it's the, um, I, I used to work as a travel agent um, and I used to do travel seminars on, on Bali. And one of the first things I always say to people is you can have whatever type of experience you want in Bali, but it's important to find the right area of Bali to match what you're looking for. Um, so if you're looking to come over here and party and, and shop, there's an area for that. If you're looking to come over here and have a really spiritual uh, experience with yoga and, and meditation, there's an area for that. If you're just looking for a all-inclusive hotel that's got kids club and you know you barely have to leave and you can just relax there's a place for that uh, if you want to go off on adventures and do um you know th things out in nature and treks and hikes and things there's there's a place for that and surfing but uh bali is often a lot bigger than what people it is it's a small island but it's a lot bigger and it takes a lot more time to get around than sometimes people give it credit for so they think that they can come here and just like stay in one area and do everything um but it's really important to do your research into what you're expecting your holiday to look like to choose the right areas to suit you do you do you help people do you help people match them up with some of the things that they want to do do you assist in that area yeah, people, people ask us advice all the time. And we've got on our website, we've got a whole breakdown. In fact, if you Google areas of Bali, I think our page comes up first, where we've got a big breakdown of all the areas of Bali and what to expect in each, what the vibes like, what the best things to do are there, um, you know, and, and that kind of helps you plan where, where you want to go, depending on what you want. Yeah. So, and you, did, and you, um, what, what do you, what do you guys, what are you into? Your family, your uh, your so kids, you. We, yeah, we live in an area called uh, Sanua, and Sanua is on the east side of Bali. There's a lot of expatriates who live here, and it's mostly families or retirees, expatriates here. That's kind of the the Sanua area. In fact, the other side of the island, over in Chengdu, where there's also a lot of expats and um, there's a lot of younger ones. Um, they call Sanua Sanor because there's not much partying that goes on over this side <laughs> of the island. Yeah. Uh, but we really love it because our area's got like a very long pathway along the beach. So for our kids, they've got eight kilometers to really safely ride their bikes back and forth along there without any roads. It's still very much a village vibe here. We ride bicycles around everywhere. We get the sunrise, we don't get the sunset. So for living, for me with the family, I wouldn't consider living anywhere else on the island. Mm -hmm. But I love different parts of the islands for different things. Like over in Changu and Seminyak, they've got some of the, you know, funkiest venues to eat at or beach clubs um, to visit and all the good fashion shopping and things like that. So I love over that side for that. I love going to... Um, 
Ubud or Cedarman for the, the rice fields and that more connecting back to nature sort of area. Then there's another place above called Mundul where it's actually cold. So if we want to go up and sit by a fire for the night, um, and be in the cold weather, we go up to Munduk. And then of course, if you go all the way up to North Bali, that's Bali 30 years ago. You know, it's there's really um, not as much westernization that's gone up in, gone on in the North of Bali. So it's still very much villagey and, um, you know, you don't see any of the, the big stores or the McDonald's or anything like that up there. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like my, my type of place. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you've got all the beautiful islands that, like, tomorrow we're off to Lembongan Island, which is just a 30-minute boat ride from where we live in Sonora. And over there, there's no cars. Like, you can ride a motorbike or you can ride a bicycle. Um, what's, and it's, the, what's the name of the called, island? That's called Nusa Lembongan Island. Nusa, okay. And the water there is, like, super stunning uh, and beautiful. There's great snorkeling and diving, um, stand-up paddleboarding and things like that to do over there. Okay, now you're starting to brag. <laughs> we are very lucky. <laughs> are, you, are you guys, uh, like, licensed scuba divers? Are you certified? Actually, we're just, my daughter, my eldest daughter and I are just finishing. We're, we're halfway through our open water um, licenses, so we're finishing that off next weekend. Nice. That is mm -hmm. so sweet. Yeah, I, I, I just, the water is so crystal clear over there. So the diving's just got to be spectacular. Yeah, well, Indonesia is known for some of the best diving sites in the world. Um, you know, Bali's got some great ones, but then you travel a bit further in Indonesia to like Flores and Raja Empat, and they're like super famous in the diving communities. Mm -hmm. And those are, are easily accessible by boat. Yeah, from, no, no, no. From Bali, you fly to those places, but they're easily accessible. They're very cheap domestic flights and easy, quick, quick yeah. flights. But you're you're going to an island tomorrow on a boat, right? A yes. Ferry? So the closest islands to go to on a boat is Nusa Lembongan. There's three islands: there's Nusa Lembongan, Nusa Chanigan, and Nusa Penida. They're all really close to each other. And they're just a 30-minute boat ride away from Bali. And then there's the Gili Islands, which are very famous. They're an hour and a half boat ride away. And they're closer to the island of Lombok, which is a really big island. But the Gili Islands are really, really, really small. And there's not even motorbikes on those islands. They, there's three Gili Islands, and you just bicycle everywhere uh, around there. And we, we love going to the Gili Islands also. You, you can find those islands on your website at Bali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've still got them all, all, all in the areas of Bali. We include all of those close islands around. Um, and we even do features on other areas of Indonesia. We did a feature earlier this year on Sumba, which is another island um, in Indonesia. And um, it was my first time to Sumba and wow, the nature there was probably the most spectacular I've ever seen in in, in my life anywhere. Yeah. And it's um, at the moment, Sumba is pretty much completely untouched. Like there's no, there's besides a few resorts, there's very little westernization there. Wow. What kind of wildlife do you see when you're out there? When you're in Sumba, there was, there was, Sumba was crazy. Uh, there was, there was buffalo and there was, there's wild horses and there's, um, you know, lots of cats and dogs and things, things like that. There's beautiful birds around everywhere. Even Bali has lots of birds. We have a lot of monkeys. Um, and at the moment, the tourists have been away. The monkeys have been like showing up in places where we had uh, not seen monkeys 
before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So kind of getting more brave and coming coming closer to everyone now. But there's there's lots of monkeys. Uh, what else do we have? In- I love monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah last year, a uh, funny story. Last year we were staying um, at a villa down in Nusa Dua and my children were inside the villa doing their online school and I was outside doing some yoga and I heard my youngest going mom mom in this really weird tone so I stopped my yoga and walked in and she looked at me and I looked at her and there's this massive monkey that had made its way in to the villa and then I saw it had something in its hands and it went running outside and I thought oh no it's stolen my my phone uh-oh. So I picked it outside, it went straight up the tree, but it turned out it had taken my box of toothpaste and it just opened the box, squeezed out all the toothpaste into its mouth and basically like threw it back. Well, that's better than, better than an iPhone. <laughs> was better. But then my daughter like started crying and she's like, I was so scared. Yeah, well, there are, there, are, they, are they aggressive at times, the, the monkey? They're not aggressive, but to look at, they can be scary. If you're, up, if you're really up close and personal with one, like some of them have really big teeth, but they, do, they don't really attack you. But yeah. they do, if you've got food and water, they do want that. Yeah, I was in the uh, Amazon a few years ago, and there was this area, I took a boat down to this, this area where there were a bunch of monkeys, and we just got off, and, and they were you know, all over in the trees and everywhere. And you could come down and they would, they're very mischievous. And some of them were red, some of them were brown, some of them were really, it was just such a variety of different types yeah, of, of monkeys in the Amazon. Is it the same way in Bali? Uh, no, there's only a couple of different, there's only a couple of different types of monkeys here. Um, but they're, they're so human-like, you know, the, the yeah. way they, they almost communicate with you. Yeah, do they have any sloth there? No, I don't think no don't sloth. Think Do you know what a no. sloth? The sloth are the ones. Yeah, that yeah. but I don't think I don't think they're here. Oh, okay. How about yeah. kangaroo? No, no, no. They're, they're Australian. They just Australia just claims them to themselves. That's it. Well, they're a native Australian animal. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know if the some came over on the boat. I don't know. I've never been the ball. Yeah, I definitely think somebody would have smuggled some through somewhere. But yeah. They're everywhere in Australia. Yeah. Okay. But so here we have got the dolphins too, which is really nice. Like it's not it's not strange to spot dolphins um, around, and then sometimes whales as well. Yeah. So let's talk. Um, let's talk like the cost of of uh, of food, of um, lodging, of finding. So I, I, I imagine it's, it's in Asia. So things are incredibly affordable, but Bali is on the map, but people know about Bali. So of all the places in Asia, that's gonna be, you know, probably more expensive than places like Cambodia or Vietnam, right? Yeah, yeah. So Bali is definitely more expensive than Cambodia or, or Vietnam, but as compared to say Australia, it's, you know, it's incredibly affordable. Um, so for, do you want to talk like living or holidaying or a bit of both? Let's, let's start with like, if somebody wanted to go and just hang out in Bali and rent an apartment, yes. let's say some, let's say a, a couple or somebody that's solo heads over and they're looking for a place that's comfortable. Um, now I used to live in New York city. I mean, a, a, you know, a 400 square foot apartment is big. That's a large apartment, right? So, um, you know, something that's comfortable that maybe you can walk 
I love to not have to to use any vehicle when I'm somewhere. I like to jump on a bike or just be able to walk everywhere. Walk to yeah. the beach, walk to the cafe, walk to the to the grocery grocery store. Um, so what what can you find um, a flat for, and what are the costs? And for like electric and utilities, water. What's a cell phone cost in Bali? Those kinds of things. So um, for so I'll give you an example of where we live in Sunua, which is quite a popular area. We only live a couple of hundred meters from the beach, and I actually don't ride a motorbike here or drive a car um, when I'm in Sunua, in my local area. I either walk or ride a bicycle um everywhere and then if i want to go further or far i use either i have a driver that i use or i use an online app like uber but we have them here called grab and gojek which is incredibly cheap compared to what we pay for uber and taxi say in australia really 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 cheap here um you know sometimes less than a dollar uh, to get around. So if I'm going further or far, I will use that for transport, but in my local area, it's it's walking or riding bicycle. Um, and an example, a, a really good example is right next door to our villa, there's, so they have in Bali what's called homestays, which usually means it's owned by a local and they've built, most homestays have say four or five rooms that they rent out separately. And there's often a shared pool and there might be a shared kitchen facility is a really nice one next door to us so close to the beach and at the moment I had a look for one of my interns the other day uh, it's renting for three million rupee a month which is about 200 and maybe 200 maybe maybe 210 USD okay and that's how big is it uh, so that I don't know in square feet, but it's 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 like a room, so it's not like an apartment, but it's a decent sized room with your own um, bathroom and and toilet. Gotcha. Um, and then you have the shared pool, the shared living area, and the shared um, the shared cooking facilities. If you wanted, say, a private villa of your own, where you have your own kitchen, your own lounge room. Uh, say a bedroom and, and a small pool if and, and you want to be close to the the beach you're probably looking at around maybe say maybe say 500 usd a month once again depending on areas um and then you can go right up into super flash luxurious you know see it on mtv cribs type of type of villas where you're paying a couple of thousand yeah, sure. Um, so it really does have all ranges. A lot of the digital nomads here kind of uh, budget between, they budget around probably for a really nice Bali lifestyle, they budget around say 1500 USD a month for everything, for electricity, for accommodation, for eating out, for partying, for their bike rental, um, their insurance, everything. everything. So you're, you're, saying, you're saying in Bali you can live pretty large on 1500 a month and have a go out every yeah. day, eat, go to, go yeah. to, to a bar, have a nice place to live, go to the beach. I mean, really have a great lifestyle for 1500 a month. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, it, but you've got to, but also remember that it's depending where you go to. So for example, our, our famous beer Bintang, you know, that can be as cheap as 20,000 rupiah per bottle, which is about a, a dollar 40 USD right up to if you're going to one of the, the high-end beach clubs you might be paying like seventy thousand rupiah 
a bottle of Bintang, which is, you know, around $5 USD. So it's also choosing where you go because there is that. So sometimes everybody thinks everything's cheap in Bali. There's lots of cheap things in Bali and you can eat really good food, really cheap, but it doesn't mean that the expensive places don't exist also because they, they do. Yeah. So what does a meal cost? I mean, some of these, the, the food looks phenomenal out there. Um, how, how much is it like a typical meal if you go out to a nice restaurant? Like, yeah. So if we go out to a, a nice restaurant, um, a main meal is usually between, say, 4 to $5 USD. Um, but if you want to eat at some of the local, the more local places, which we, we love the local cuisine, um, $1 to $2 Um USD for a meal, uh, like a really decent meal with meat and vegetables and rice or noodles and yeah. uh, crackers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, food wise, you can you can really eat really cheap if you want to. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear. electricity is probably um, so a lot of places. If you're just monthly renting, your electricity might be included. Uh, if you're living here, obviously you're staying in somewhere longer term, so you have to pay it. I find the electricity probably one of the more expensive things on the island um, compared to compared to some of the other places. Like in, we've got quite a large villa and we have a big pool and one smaller pool. So our electricity is big. We use air conditioning, but we probably spend around maybe 230 USD a month on, on electricity for our villa which compared to what we pay for other things is actually more of an expense yeah what is what is your um what is cell coverage if you get a cell phone over there oh so cell phones so to buy cell phones um like say to buy an iphone it's exactly the same price or if not a little bit probably more expensive than what you guys pay in um america but the actual use for a phone plan and and data i spend about seven usd a month for my plans wow um so yeah the data and the, and the phone calls are super super cheap super super cheap mm-hmm. and the reception is actually surprisingly quite good it's better than when i go back to australia yeah now can you 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 have like a villa there did you buy can you purchase over there or so you can't, as a foreigner, you can't um, what's called freehold, which means you can't own land here. Um, okay. so don't let people tell you that you can because people will tell you that you can and you can't. Um, and there's been a lot of foreigners ripped off over the years from not really understanding the rules properly in Indonesia. Uh, but you can take a long lease very safely. So uh, lots of people will, if, if they're, building, say they want to build a villa from scratch to, for them to live in, they will go to the landowner, they will negotiate a length of time to lease um, his or her land for. So you might lease it for 30 years with an option to extend another 30 years or whatever your deal is, and then you can build your villa. Knowing though, once your land lease expires, that physical building belongs to the landowner. It doesn't belong to you anymore um so what we did is we we long leased a, an already built villa so another foreigner had built it was leaving the island and he had 10 years left on his lease so we bought that 10 years lease of him gotcha. and then 
other people you can rent yearly um, quite easily. Uh, and then especially during um, COVID and less travel, it's easier to pay monthly. Whereas before, if you wanted a long lease, not many landlords would accept monthly payments. You, if you rent it for a year, you pay for a year straight up. Okay, so it doesn't. So it doesn't sound like you, you, you can invest in Bali. And in, in you, you can invest, but it's a different mindset to probably um, what we're used to in the Western world, and we're used to owning land. It's a different mindset. People invest here and they make a lot of money, um, but I would never suggest anybody does that unless they know. Uh, how to do business in Indonesia. Because how, do you, how do you invest if you can't buy property? Well, you invest, you, you, you make your lease so it's extendable and you've got options in there to, to extend, right? So you, you would just, you have to reinvest on that land, on that land factor. Um, you know, even our, even our lease, what we've bought it for per year, if we wanted to move out and rent this yearly, we would probably triple our money. Oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there's opportunities here, but um, it's also you're in Asia. Business is done very, very, very differently here. Sure. It's in another language. And I've seen so many foreigners lose a lot of money um, from coming here and going, oh, it's cheap and I want to live the dream and I want to buy a villa in Bali. And they don't really understand. So if you're thinking of doing that, come and spend time here, make friends with locals, make friends with other expatriates and learn the law of the land before yeah. you have any of your dollars. Yeah, I can see where that would be advantageous for somebody um, such as yourself that grew up so close to Bali and you know it and you're familiar. And then you got expats coming from America, like you say, that have this idea, I want to live the dream. And you go there, you know nothing about it, but you have this money, you're going to throw it in here and you're going to invest. And then you have no concept of how anything works. Yeah. And that's the yeah. thing. You really got to understand how these countries work before yeah. you can even dive in. Because if you don't, and you're really green, it's just, it's not smart. No, and, and people looking to make money can sniff those people out uh, very easily and tell them what they want to hear. And, you know, they go, oh, here's the document you need to sign. Oh, look, here's a translation into English. But if you get someone who can speak both languages, you're like, those two documents do not say the same yeah. thing, yeah. right? So you need to establish channels of like, who you can who you can trust um, when it comes to doing business here because I've seen it time and time again of people losing so much of their money. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, how about healthcare? So people are concerned always about healthcare. What's the healthcare like? Do you need to to apply for some kind of a healthcare plan there, or can you just pay as you go? You can pay as you go, but I would not suggest it. It's insanely expensive if you are a foreigner and you get really sick here and you need healthcare. I think I say to everyone, if you can't afford, if you can't afford health insurance to come here, you should not come here. Um, full stop. In Asia, you should always have a comprehensive either travel insurance. There's if you're coming for more of a longer term stay, there's really good digital nomad insurance now that you can have for moving around. Or of course, you can get an ex, which is more expensive, but more comprehensive, you can get an expatriate insurance. Um, so insurance is lots of different options for lots of different budgets. Um, but you should not come here with at least not having emergency hospital 
cover because your bills can end up in the you know hundreds of thousands of dollars very very quickly if you have wow. something serious so, um okay so it yeah. sounds like it's almost like a, the u.s where you know medical costs are out of control in this country i mean if somebody has any kind of surgery and something happens you could be 100 150,000 in debt in a yeah. in a snap so for locals, no, it's not like that. They have a different coverage. But as a foreigner, yes, you can you can rack up bills. And we see it happen all the time. People who come over here, even they have purchased a travel insurance, right? But they haven't read their product disclosure statement. Sure. And it doesn't cover them for riding a motorbike over here, right? Uh, and then they have a motorbike accident. And then they go to the hospital and they need life-saving uh, surgery. And their insurance says no. And the hospitals here will not operate on you without payment first. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. That's an eye opener because in other countries and some of the people that I've talked to, it's quite affordable, but it doesn't sound like it's the same in Bali. It sounds quite expensive. Not if it's an emergency. If it's just to see a doctor or go to a dentist, it's really cheap. Um, and things, but when it comes to actually say you need to be airlifted out or you need like a really specialist surgery, no, it's not, it's it's expensive as a foreigner. Yeah. What do you do? What do you guys do for, do you go to Australia if, if anything comes up or do you? No, it depends. I, I mean, everybody, everybody used to think of Bali as not having very good health care, but since, um, I don't know, did you know about the Bali bombings that happened back in 2012? It was like, a, and so lots of Australians um, were caught up in that. In fact, we were, we were here on our honeymoon at the time. Um, that that then Australia poured a lot of money into the healthcare system in Bali, uh, which helped. And then since then, Australia, uh, Bali has like, really good hospitals. Um, there's a lot of good medical professionals here and you can get, and in fact, dentistry is crazy cheap here. You definitely do not need dental cover if you want to come and get your teeth fixed. Lots of people actually have holidays to come to Bali to wow. yeah. get their dental procedures done. Okay. You hear those birds? They're really, really loud. Yeah, that's, um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. They're just over there in my palm trees. Uh, but if it comes to like that emergency, you know, you need to get your, you've got a fractured skull or something like that, that can be really expensive. So if we, if we have something like we see dentists here, we see doctors here, um, you know, we have specialists here for, you know, we've, my daughter had, you know, this funky thing happening with her ear and the ear, nose, throat specialist fixed it here. Um, we have our regular checkups here, but yeah, if we had a scheduled, surgery we'd probably go back to australia to have it um rather than having it having it here um but yeah it doesn't mean that you can't you can't have it here a friend of mine the other day her heart gave way on her and she had to have a pacemaker put in here and it was all it was all fine wow yeah yeah is she from australia or she is she's lived here a very long time though she's a lot older than i am yeah. um yeah, and she just woke up and her heart rate was super, super low and she presented at the ER and they were like, you're basically the battery and your heart is gone and we need to put you in ICU and you need a pacemaker. Wow. And she's okay yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I'm back to seeing her down the beach every morning. Walking oh, down fantastic. The yeah, and that was only not so many weeks ago. So, um, but no, insurance is an absolute must. When you travel anywhere in Asia, 
you should have insurance. And, and what do you guys have a special insurance? Is it through Bali or do you just have like, you know, we use uh, we expatriate insurance, but there's like, say you're a digital nomad and you want to go around like that. There's what there's uh, safety wings and wild nomads. They're both uh, very well known um, insurances for people who are who are traveling around a lot. Of course, if you're just coming for a holiday, just take out a regular travel insurance. But make sure if you're going to do higher risk activities here, like riding a motorbike or um, whitewater rafting or things like that make sure that your insurance covers you for those activities okay good good advice thank you um so getting around the island you mentioned that uh, there's you know, people ride motorcycles um imagine scooters of all kinds what what's the the main mode of transportation around an island and is it easy to access all the other areas, like you mentioned, like some of the younger people, expats live over on this side of the island than you have. How long does it take to get to those different parts of the island for people that have never been to Bali? People that have never been there, yeah. So where you land uh, in Dempasa, which is really close to Kuta, um, anywhere in the south of Bali is, is really relatively quick to like, we're 20 minutes from from the airport. Uh, Chengdu is about 30 minutes, 40 minutes from the airport. Seminyak's between 20 to 30 minutes from the airport. Ubud's about 45, 50 minutes from the airport. So anywhere down in the, the, the south area is really quite close. Um, and all around that area of the south, you can use things like online applications like Gojek and, and Grab, which is just like Uber. And you can either order a, a, a motorcycle ride, like a scooter rider, or a car to pick you up. So it's it's up to you what you want to go on. Obviously, the scooter ones are cheaper and, and it's a quicker yeah. trend, a tricker, uh, quicker commute or a car, you know, it's you can feel safer or more of you can go if it's a family. There's also tons of private drivers around. So it's nothing to like walk along the street. And if you look like you're looking for something, a driver or just say, hey, do you want a driver? And you negotiate a price and jump in that car and you can go. Um, you can rent a car and drive yourself. I wouldn't recommend that if you're not familiar with Asian traffic. Um, and it's the same with scooters. Lots of people come here and they rent themselves scooters and, and they ride fine if, if you feel very comfortable in the, the there's, there is road rules here, but um, a, a person explained it very well when they say, you know, in uh, say Australia, you drive with your head because you know the rules and you do that. In Bali, you need to drive or ride with your heart. You need to feel the traffic and you need to feel what people are doing. Hence why I don't do that. But my husband, he rides everywhere on his scooter, you know, and I feel quite comfortable getting in the back of his scooter, but it's not a place to come here and learn how to ride um, a motorbike or a scooter, you, you've got to feel pretty comfortable and you have to make sure you are insured um, because obviously that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a big cause of death over here is, sure. is yeah. scooter accidents. Yeah. Um, when you go up further, up to the north um, and some of the parts of the east, uh, you need private transport up there. You can't get the, you can't get Uber, you can't get the grab and go jack up there or taxis or anything like that. Um, in saying that, there are tons of locals. Locals here are so entrepreneurial and they're not above doing any job to make money, right? So they may work in the clothing market that's sitting there, but they see that you need a scooter ride somewhere. 
yeah, they'll be more than happy to take some money from you to give you a lift. <laughs> to give you a lift somewhere and everywhere, whether you stay in somewhere cheap or expensive, they all have these huge local networks. So if you say, Hey, I need a driver today to take me up to Lavina, they will just organize it for you and, and, and tell you how much it is. So, um, what's the typical cost? Uh, so say uh, you want a driver for a full 10 hour day. It's, it's, it's around about say $40 USD. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. How much does it cost to rent a, a scooter for a day? About $3 USD. $3 for the day? Yeah. Wow. So most people probably don't even buy. They just probably rent month to month. Yeah. Well, it depends. If you're going to be here for a longer time, it's cheaper to... Um, but once again, you can't actually... Unless you've got a residence... If, you, if you've got a visa that you're a resident here, you can buy a scooter in your name or a car in your name. But if you don't have one of those visas, you actually can't even buy one in your name anyway. I see. So you have yeah. to show that you actually live there. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So in, as far as like for people, and I'm sure you know a lot of like retirees that have moved there. Um, and sometimes retirees are looking for things to do and, and ways to make money. Um, are there ways to make money in Bali for, for people that are, are, you know, just saying, I want to retire, looking for something part-time? You know how we do that in Australia. You, people do it in the U.S. Can they do that in Bali? No. So, so legally, you can't. From, there's very strict rules on your, on your visa. Um, and I get this question all the time, like, hey, I'm a barista or I work in a hotel and I want to come over and work in Bali. The status, there is not many jobs for foreigners in Bali that foreigners are legally allowed to do. So most expatriates that you'll see over here are like me and have started our own companies. Right? You run your own company. Um, as there of course are some roles in, in hotels here for foreigners, but only at very high level, uh, sales and marketing managers, general managers, not ever to work front desk. Foreigners are not allowed to do that here. So basically there is any job that there is locals qualified to do here cannot be given to a foreigner. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So it, it leaves very few um, like jobs. There are teaching jobs. There's a lot of um, foreign teachers here, um, but most expatriates that live here have started their own companies. Uh, if you're a retiree and, and you come over and you're on a retiree visa, you absolutely cannot make money here. Gotcha. That's, that does not allow you. You may be making money. Lots of people, a very gray area is the online world. So lots of people, yeah, they do do stuff online to make money, whether it be teach English um, on apps like Powfish sure. or maybe handling somebody's social media account or whatever. But uh, it's a very gray area. It's a very talked about area here. It's even, I've been here a long time and it's, it's not even super clear for me sure. um, so you do need to be careful with what you're doing what you come over here and how you make money you need to be careful and you certainly should should not be if you're not on a working visa and a visa that allows you to work here you should definitely never be taking money here in the country for anything gotcha. yeah. the very way to get yourself deported okay so um are the the people that are the teachers that you mentioned that are over there um, are they working in international schools? Or are they working in local schools? 
No, so mostly in international schools and some of them in what's called national plus schools. So there's the local schools, which is local teachers only, uh, the national plus schools, um, which have a couple of foreign teachers and then the international schools, which have a large um, percentage of foreign teachers teaching in there. So most of the teachers that I know work in the actual international schools here. Gotcha. And those are all English usually, right? Yeah. Yeah, but there are, there's like the Japanese international school, there's um, an Indian international school. So they speak some of the, the native languages for their schools. But yeah, most international schools um, are in English. And then there's some dual language schools who do Indonesian and English. Yeah. And you have you have a couple um, kids? Yes. Yeah. How, so how, old, how old are they? 16 and 11. 11 okay and what what are the what's like a typical day for the kids on on the island so well my kids i teaching was my career previous to owning bali buddies and um for me personally when i came and looked at the schools the international schools are good but the expense is really high you know um you know they range from around about say eight thousand usd per child per year, right up to around about 18,000 USD per child per year. Uh, and for me, I'm a fully qualified teacher of 15 years. And for me, I was like, I've got two kids, I'm not spending that money. I would rather spend that money on traveling with them. And because I still pay tax in Australia, we're uh, entitled to our kids getting a free education. So my kids do distance education to Australia which means all the teachers are in Australia at their school, but none of the students are. So the students may be in more remote parts of Australia or they might, and some of them are sports, like sports kids who mm -hmm. uh, compete at high levels or they're actors um, or they're living internationally like my kids. Uh, so my kids, uh, because their school's in Brisbane in Australia, they wake up at about between 5.30 and 5.45 and then they've got to be on their computer by 6 a.m. School wow. starts am for them um so then they usually do their first block of school six to eight and then they'll stop and we'll all have break i'll go down my husband and i go walking down the beach every morning um and then we will come back and then we're all kind of having breakfast uh in their first break and then they go back to school for another couple of hours and then they have another break and then they usually have another hour of school but they're finished some days they finish school at 10 a.m some days they finish school at 12 p.m so school is definitely always done by 12 p.m. by lunchtime. Mm -hmm. um, and then depending, of course, my eldest at 16, she has a lot of homework and a lot of uh, assessment. Um, but yeah, that they have activities nearly every day, whether it's jujitsu or dancing or aerial silks. Um, and this is all online? No, no, no. Their activities is out. Oh, okay. So, they're, okay, gotcha. so every afternoon they're out. Yeah, yeah. Doing their activities. So online, school until lunchtime. Uh, then just depending what the day is, we might go out for lunch, we might eat lunch in, we might go for a ride down the beach, depends what I've got on with my work. Um, I tend to try and work from home up until lunchtime and then schedule my meetings for the afternoon. Um, and then their dad takes them off to all of wherever they need to go. Um, and yeah, and so, so it can be a very mixed random day. Dinners, we probably are half half between cooking dinner and buying, ordering dinner in or going out to dinner um, 
it actually ends up costing, we love to cook, but it costs us more to cook than it would to actually buy pre-cooked dinner. Mm. Um, so we kind of just balance between that. Um, and then, yeah, some days we have, you know, sometimes the kids have to come with me to my, if we're reviewing something that's a kid's activity or whatever, they have to come and do it so that we can review it. So yeah, mm. depending what we've got on. Yeah, yeah. So like for, for people that, that want to, live like you, you know, like, and they go to Bali, I mean, what, what do they need to live comfortably? Like, let's say they have a child or they have maybe two kids, they want to live comfortably, they want to be able to walk to the beach and, you know, walk to their, you know, various um, cafes and stores. How much would they need, do you think? Okay, so if we take, if we take schooling out of the equation, uh, because that can vastly change, uh, that can vastly change things. Um, so say you just want a really nice, livable filler, like really quite nice. Say you budget around 10,000 USD for a, for a, say a two or three bedroom, nice villa in a nice area for the year. Um, then of course, you're gonna have insurance expenses, which depending on your circumstances, it's probably going to be between say two to four USD a year, depending mm. on your ages and everything like that. They're really important. And then your visas. Um, so your biggest expenses, your biggest expenses when you come here is where you live, your insurance, uh, your visa. Uh, like for me, for we're on what's called a Kitas visa and for us to renew our visas every year, is 5,000, so say about 3,000 USD per year to renew our Is that for everybody? No, 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 that, yeah, that's for all of us. So that's for all four of, of us. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then of course, if you're going to send your child to a school, you know, you're going to need to budget at least, if you want them to go to an international school, at least $7,000 per sure. kid. Sure, yeah. Unless, so you like unless you teach there. No, even if you're a teacher, you don't get free. You don't get you're free. You're kidding me. Your kids can't go there for free? Wow. You get a discount, but you don't get it for free. Wow. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Schooling is expensive. International schooling is expensive here. Um, and I mean, that I'm quoting you the lower ranges. Like a lot of Americans know about Green School here, which is a, uh, it's a beautiful school in Ubud, all made of bamboo. And it's very, it's all based on sustainability and it's open mm. air. But the fees are per child. I think they're around about twenty thousand USD per year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they're your they're your they're your big expenses. Things like food and transport, and you know, pretty much you're always going to have staff in your villa, like doing yeah. your housekeeping. If, your if you broke it down per month, what would it be per month? For, okay, so we're talking like about a a like a family, yeah. Adults, say one kid. Let's say what? Yeah, like a child. With school, international there, school. There are so many, yeah. There, there's so many qualifiers, right? It's, it's hard so to do. It really and is. People ask me these questions all the time. You know, people yeah. ask these If you ask me what we we budget for a year for four of us, uh, which includes like entertainment, and so we don't have a school cost but we live quite a large life here you know we live on 
including some travel and some holiday and stuff like that. We probably live on around about, uh, say, 70,000 Australian dollars per mm -hmm. year, which is, what's that? That's about, say, 50,000, 48,000 USD. Yeah, but probably. You can, live, yeah. you can live a lot cheaper lifestyle than that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys are living large. In, we're living large. Like, we yes. live in a villa with two pools. You know, yes. we... We, we're living, but if I compare that to our lives in Australia, we, we lived a much smaller life for about almost triple the cost in Australia. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it really depends what you want to do, how you want to get around, uh, what you want to eat. If you want to eat, you know, I budget for us because we eat out and we come in, you know, I budget for us, you know, um, a few hundred dollars a week on food because I like to buy imported food or, or whatever. But if you if if you wanted to, you could probably you you could feed a family for fifty dollars a week mm -hmm. easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to. That's when you have to be clear about what type of lifestyle you want to have when you come here. And this is what I find a lot of people who who move here. Um, you can live very well, very cheaply here. But you can't compare it when you're looking at somebody's life who's going to resorts and who's going to beach clubs and who's sure. going yeah. because that adds up really quickly. Um, and then I always like to say, I like, I mean, the job I'm in, I get to experience five-star Bali all the time because of my job, not because I'm paying for it. It's sure. kind of what I work. Um, but I love two-star Bali. Like I love going down to Legion Beach and ordering uh, a migaran, which is a fried noodle and having a bintang and it costing me, you know, the whole day, I would barely spend $10 USD to stay on the beach all day, have a couple of drinks, hire a boogie board and go out surfing. I love that just as much as I love experiencing the five-star side of it. Mm -hmm. um, you can have like a, re and, and it's, you know, Legion Beach is beautiful and you get an amazing sunset and it's really fun and there's lots of fun people around. Um, you got the beautiful water, but you have to be clear about what you want to, what you want to do. You know, Bali is, can be full of contradictions in that way. Some things are so, so cheap and then other things uh, can quite surprise you with yeah. the price. Yeah. And that's why it's so hard. The biggest question I get asked all the time, especially my Aussie friends, is like, I want to come and live in Bali. How much is it going to cost me? Mm. And I was like, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live when sure. you're here? Yeah. Do you want to send your kids to a school? Do you want to rent a car every week? Do you want to live in a fancy villa or do you want to live in a quaint homestay? Yeah. Uh, what types of food do you want to eat? Sure. You know, there's yep. a lot of qualifiers there. Yeah, yeah. Are you, do you guys, um, you said you, do you surf yourself? Uh, I don't, I mean, I can do a little bit of surfing, but no, where we live, so outside of the island, Sanua, we've got the calm beach. It's not a surf, surf beach, which we kind of love because it's really protected us. I mean, I love the surfy crowd, but it's protected us from becoming a party part of the island because mm -hmm. with the surfy crowd often comes along the party crowd yeah. and, the, you know, you have noisy nightclubs beside you and, and yeah. things like that yeah. um no I really like I like snorkeling like I said we're getting into diving now I like stand-up paddle boarding um I like the more karma like <laughs> that's what happens when you have kids I mean 20 years ago when we didn't have the kids we'd be on the other side of the island but now yeah, we're looking like, for that exactly. calm 
<laughs> so true, so true. And I mean, I was in Changu last night. I love to go over there for the, you know, the really fun party vibes and to go out to dinner. But I also love to come back here to Sanoa and wake up and, you know, be able to stroll my way down the street or ride my bicycle around, which you cannot do over that side of the island because the traffic's too crazy. Yeah. Is there a lot of like, do you get involved in like yoga, meditation? Is there a lot of that where you're oh, at? So much of that here. We've got a beautiful yoga shala just down the road from me, which is a big bamboo structure that's right right on the beach it's it's everywhere like every time we go and stay at a resort or something we will do yoga there too because they were always offering it uh bali is a hugely spiritual place and part of the reason a lot of people fall in love with bali is the so the the big religion here is hindu um and a lot of americans know it from julia roberts eat pray love movie and in fact bali's you know, percentage of American visitors after that movie like skyrocketed because lots of people before that didn't really know Bali as much. Um, it's a hugely spiritual spiritual place and, and, and things like, uh, like every morning when I go outside my gate, the landowner has left little offerings outside our gate every morning. And depending on what day it is, there might be more offerings or less offerings depending on what they're praying for that day. And you see those offerings all over the island, like everywhere you go. You'll always see the beautiful, colorful um, Hindu ceremonies. It's nothing for us to be down the beach and see bodies being burnt because the way they do their cremations, like where we walk down the beach, that's where it happens. And you just uh, what literally seeing it happen. But it's a very spiritual place. And quite often the um, that really parlays into people who are into yoga and meditation because a lot of the experiences that um, that the Balinese do are, are really, really interesting. Um, you know, they do a, a purification ritual every six months that they believe um, rids the body of negative, any negative energy, allowing you to receive positive energy. And what that looks like is it's quite fascinating to do it yourself, right? Because the spot where I like to go and do it is they take you down into this canyon of a waterfall and it starts at one spot and you've got to, there's there's rules, right? You've got to sip the water this many times and tap it on the back that many times. And then you've got to think about health in this one spot. Then you go to another spot and you get this water poured on your head. You know, you're thinking about maybe family and then you go to another spot and you're thinking about money and you go to another spot and then you make your way up until you're actually up into the waterfall, like banging down on your head. And then you just got to scream as loud as you can for as long as you can three times. And then you get to the top and then the priestess blesses you and gives you your blessing. And then that's your purification ritual. Yeah. Um, So the, the Balinese have... There's so much culture and tradition and it's really fascinating. Um, And it's probably, you know, of all the religions, probably one of the most dedicated, um, the amount of ceremonies they have and uh, the amount of money and time and effort that is dedicated towards their religion every day is, is, is quite fascinating. Fascinating. Wow. Well, thank you um, so much for sharing that. And I was going to ask you, take me through the process. And you did. And it sounds really awesome. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So in fact, one of my, so, so the Balinese, their favorite place in the world is their is generally their village. So quite often they have their like home village. And then as they get older and they go to university, they move down to the tourist areas um, to, to get a job. 
per se. And um, they, so their favorite area is their village. So whenever they have time off, they go back to their village. And one of my good friends here said, he's been in tourism for a long time. And he's like, Carly, I just want to spend more time in my village. So I helped him create what we call the village experience. And I said to him, take me to your village and show me everything you love about it. And so he took me here, he took me there. We've, and I was like, look, this is really interesting to people. Give them a day of what it's like to be a villager. Bring them through your big family compound and explain that, you know, there can be 50 of you here at any one time and they have their own temple and show them the foods you eat and serve them some of your foods and then take them for a purification ritual, you know, teach them how to make the offerings that the ladies make every day. And then, so then you make these offerings and then they take you to the, to the, to the water bowl. And then you, you, you go and offer them to the gods and have your, your purification ritual. And it's a real insight into, to, 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 to what it's like to be a Balinese. Mm, sign me up. I'd be first <laughs> in line for that. Well, tell me when you come, I will hook you up. It's a really lovely, really lovely experience. You can watch a video of it on our website, actually. If you look up Balinese video, uh, village experience, you'll see it. You, you'll see the footage of the waterfall and things. things on like Bali that. Buddies. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay. called the Balinese village experience. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, um, Carly. I, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information, your insights around Bali. I, I definitely want to visit um, and when I do, I'd love to, to meet you and um, sure. Send check, me a out message. The, check out the sites. It'd be f absolutely fantastic. But thank yeah. you so much. Is there anything else that, that um, you'd like to share before we? Um, no, we I, don't think, I think like we have, like I said, uh, we consider BaliBuddies.com to be our insider's guide to Bali. Jump on there. There is literally tons of information on there right down to what scams to avoid to make sure you don't get ripped off when you um <laughs> when you come here because if you've ever traveled in asia uh there are always different scams to make money from tourists so we kind of list them all on there to help help you on your way there we tell you safe ways to get around we list all the best waterfalls and all the best beaches and all the best places to stay um so really honestly we've poured our heart and soul into making um to helping people be able to enjoy the bali experience that they want to have on there Fantastic. Well, Carly Cummins, thank you so much for being with us. And guys, check, check out BaliBuddies.com, B-A-L-I-B-U-D-D-I-E-S.com. And it's the online magazine all about Bali. Um, thanks so much again for being with us. I truly appreciate it. My Have pleasure for having me. Have a great day. Bye.